Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's Thursday, Thursday night, Thursday night, January 25th. Journey. What a journey. Journey to the center of the earth. That's what it feels like. Uh, we had a guest tonight who was so not. What is this? What are you doing? What? Is... What are you doing here? What? Which kind? Those are. That's those are shoes. Look at show everybody. You see everybody the bump on our forehead right here. You see? See the little bump? That's all that's left of it. Did you tell everybody about your bump on the on your forehead? Well, it was almost just going high from from air, but but about tonight I was streaming a little was Ati and Mo, Ati and Mimi and okay, so you were screaming? No. Okay, so you were trying to hide from Anthony and Mimi, and you went to hide, and then you dove into the into the couch, right? I, I dove into to a chair, then I um bumped my forehead. Yeah, okay. Well, you're okay now? Well, yeah. Okay. Fortunately. So, fortunately? Mm-hmm. Well, she just said fortunately. You, you used the word fortunately correctly. Jeez. Who taught you that? Nothing. Nothing taught you that? Nope. The nothing. The nothing. Your turn. Your turn? Okay, well, how about you tell everybody uh, good night? Good night. And uh, and what are you gonna what, what are you gonna do now? You gonna take a bath? Yeah. And a shower. A bath and a shower? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well everybody was very worried about you for your head and everybody's very happy that your head is feeling feeling okay. Okay. Say thank you everybody. Thank you, boy. Say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for uh, your prayers. Okay. And, and I love you. Oh, I'm, you just made a lot of people's nights. Okay. So, is that all? Nope. Okay, here you can you can press one button. Okay. Here you can press one button. Which which one do you want? How about that one? I don't know. Any, any of those. Any of them. Yeah. Oh. That didn't work. What the heck? Why aren't these working? These buttons aren't working for some reason. All right, well, listen. You go have yourself a good bath, okay? Thank you, and a shower. Have a good one. I, um, I Okay. Okay, maybe tomorrow you peek in. Important, very important show. Bye-bye. See you. See you later. Well, that's it. That's that's one of the the better the better things about being home. And I, I got to say, un, unfortunately, on a little bit more of a practical sense, I'm probably going to be home for a little while longer. I told you I'm going to be meeting up with Mike at the stu- at Studio A after the show concludes at nine o'clock tonight to work out some things that were going on over there, and he had already gotten into the studio. A little bit before so that he can work on some stuff prior to me arriving and he got back to me and he installed all of the active usb cables the active usb hub and um all of the webcams are just glitched 
they're glitched out. Has nothing to do with the Logitech brand because we have uh, there's a couple of different webcams that are there and they're all glitched out. I don't know what the hell it is. So my next inclination is to spend twelve hundred dollars more on to- on all of all new webcams just for the hell of it. Why the hell not? Because every wire in the room is brand new, and there's no reason why a thirty-five hundred dollar out of the case computer that was custom built for us can't handle four webcams. There's no reason, and um, I can't. I can't. Um, we can't figure it out, and I got to get some in studio help because the remote help just does not work anymore. I just don't know who else to call. Uh, it's bad. So. I feel like Michael Scott in season the end of season three when he realizes he's not getting the promotion to uh, to corporate and he has to come back to Scranton and says and tell everybody this is my old age home and my cemetery for my bones. I'm going nowhere. So I'll be here in the closet. God knows how long because there's nothing else I can buy. Do you understand me? Anyway. Uh, that's what we have going on tonight. I don't know if he's even going to need me to come there after he might be, he might be gone already. He might be home already. So I just figured I'll let you guys know, uh, the, a, uh, a year, a new year, just completely pockmarked with technical insanity continues. Anywho. All right. So, uh, tonight we had a guest, we had a guest, uh, who, uh, decided it was appropriate to, Cancel 10 minutes ago, and uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I'm totally fine with it, to be honest. And uh, you might you might find out a little bit about why tomorrow, too, because it's just something that um, I had noticed that I cannot, I can't let go of. I can't let go of. I just can't let go of. Tomorrow, I might tell you why. Um, so, yeah, for tonight, what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of just spread out the the subject matter a little bit i'd like to get you involved i think what we will do is we'll talk about texas and a little bit of a little bit more of the civil war theme stuff that's going on around uh you know the internet the the news spheres twitter whatever the hell uh, this is what's going on right now because you have texas that's standing firm on just doing minimal border security okay minimal border security and um, and now they're 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 galvanizing and they're they're taking a lot of so they're getting a lot of support from at least twenty four other states. So I have a little bit on that here too. Uh, but then it was like, oh my god, there's a coalition, there's a confederacy that's forming and all that stuff. And I, I just wanted to be real about some things, and then take your calls. So that's what we'll do. Um, thank you to Blue Monster Prep for being my sponsors tonight and always. You can go to quitefrankly.tv to the affiliates page and check out bluemonsterprep.com. You can they'll link you can link right through there along with all of our friends and coffee and chocolate and survival gear. We already said that. And then uh, not only that, but gold, which is part of survival gear. It's financial survival. How are you going to store the value of everything that you worked hard for? Not necessarily that you're going to be able to go to a flea market and start dealing in gold coins and it's just about how are you going to store value if you can't buy land right now or something like that it's good to go to quite frankly dot gold and get in touch with uh tony arterburn get that all started all right uh let's see what else i think that's it i think that's it i appreciate you all for coming 
and for being around for the long haul. All right, so the the number tonight that you should write down, because it's going to be important to have you guys and gals involved with the calling in, is 914-200-0269, 914-200-0269. Tomorrow night, we are going to be doing, and you got to go to the website right now, or at least write this down for later on. you got to go to the forum, and I'll make sure I tweet this out tomorrow night. But on the forum and pinned to the top, there is a thread called Memories from the Mall. We've already have a, you know, a decent amount, a handful of good responses, but we, I haven't really thrown this out at you yet. And here it is. Go to quitefrankly.tv forum, and at the top, there's a show thread that says Memories from the Mall. And here's what I said here to prompt you. Recently, I went to a big, beautiful shopping mall in Connecticut that I had not been to in ages. There was barely anyone in there, though business lights were still on. The smell of the food court was still wafting through the air. It brought back wonderful memories that I had growing up in the 90s, but now I want to hear your greatest memories from the years when the malls were bustling palaces of commerce and recreational fun. Arcades, music, for a time, a quintessential piece of Americana. Tell me about your first dates, hanging out with friends, breakups, Christmas madness, the sights, the sounds, the smells that will never leave you. I want to talk about the mall. Not only will we be talking about your mall memories tomorrow night, we're also going to be having a good friend of ours return. His name is Jay Myers, Jay Myers Documentaries. And Jay had done, uh, a, I, I got in touch with him and said, Jay, didn't you do a, uh, some work on the occult construction of the mall or something like that? What? Something about the the American shopping mall. He says, yeah, actually, I did. And he said he also did a, um, a piece on zombie malls, how these malls are popping up and there's really nobody in them. But they're they're. I said, OK, great. So we're going to have a little bit of Jay Myers to come in and give us a, a little bit on that. And then we're going to take all your calls on your memories from the mall. It'll be a nice Friday night. Who else? Who knows what else we're going to put in there? There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of craziness going on in the media today. That I might be able to get around to because I have so much more space, so much more room for activities. Whatever. Whatever. You know, between the news about the webcam and the canceled guest, I'm just like, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip tonight and I feel fucking free. Do you feel free? I do. I didn't feel free all day. <laughs> the last the last 20 minutes, all of a sudden, I feel free. Nuts. Anyway, here's a uh, here's a web uh, here's a uh, a headline for you from Hot Air. If this doesn't this doesn't warm your cockles, I don't know what will. Headline: HotAir.com. Twin Cities. That's uh, Minnesota. Metro Transit. Please don't rape anybody or poop on the train. Okay. We have officially reached the stage in the decline of civilization that the Metro Transit Authority is instructing people not to rape people on the trains or to defecate and urinate on public transit. You understand here? That will definitely solve the crime problem on our transit system. The rules are at least pretty clear, if you can read. Not that we can assume that riders can, given how bad our public education system is and how many languages they usually use in government documents. Many of those languages don't even use our alphabet, but unfortunately, the rules are only provided in English. Maybe we don't expect our guests 
to follow the same rules. That would definitely be on brand for leftist Minneapolis. For the few people who actually need to be told not to take a crap on public transit, the rules are helpfully provided online, as well as on graffiti-proof metal signs installed at the train stations. Not that people are uh, such people are visiting the Metro Transit website to see if raping people or doing crack on the train is allowed. Just guessing about that one issue, but it seems likely to me that they aren't seeking out the rules of the road on a website for the rest of us we don't need to be told. Don't rape. This is it. Here, take, take a listen to this. Hold on. This is your role as a... Where the hell is it? Here we go. Your role as a rider. Uh, transit vehicles and facilities are shared spaces and come with shared responsibilities. Your role as a rider applies anytime you use a transit system. So you got to pay your fare, wear shirts, bottoms, and shoes. Unless it's the month of June, then you can walk around wearing pasties and dildos. One fare, one seat. Your bag belongs on your lap, not taking up the seat next to you. Uh, and, and no man spreading either. No man spreading either. That's a, that's a mark of the patriarchy. Drinks must be covered. Um, animals must be kept in a carrier. Uh, that, service animals are exempt. So all you got to say is that your, your Chinese box turtle is a service turtle, and then you can let it uh, squirt all over the place. Illegal activity violators can be removed. Uh, actions may result in added penalties. Interfering with operator, so you don't want to, you know, grab a bus driver from the neck and blindfold them. And you don't want to do that. Unless, of course, they slight you in some way. Then you can assault them while they're driving everybody. Vandalizing, disorderly conduct, smoking, threatening, spitting on others. Please, please, on this line... You can't spit on the other line. I know we know of bus bus stops where spitting is totally fine and a civil right. But here, please, pooping or peeing. This is not a public restroom. OK, but it may become a private one. And sexual assault, sexual contact without consent is forbidden here. All right. We know it's not forbidden on Fifth Avenue, but here. We just can't handle it. You know why? Because that means it, it's not it's the it, for them, for these people, it's it's mostly hear no evil, see no evil, whatever. It's out of sight, out of mind. The real thing here is that they don't want to have to inter interfere with a with a crime in progress. They don't want to actually have one of their employees intervene. That's the whole thing there. They don't want their bus drivers having to uh, break up a rape. That's going on because it's just very awkward, very awkward. A lot of accusations can be thrown around there. Here's another weird one for you from a very broken, weird, strange creature from Hollywood. That's Robert De Niro. Uh, Robert De Niro at 80 years old cries over raising a baby daughter. He had one, too. Did you know this? I didn't. I, I remember covering um, Al Pacino who's also in his 80s, that just had a baby, thinking, what the hell is everybody doing? What the hell is everybody doing? I want to be around for as long as I can, says Robert De Niro. I just feel bad for the kid. A crying octogenarian fool. Uh, this is this was all avoidable, Bobby. Now, I know the, the child is going to be well cared for financially, but not going to have a father. 
Not that, uh, you know, Robert De Niro is um, sane. At least the kid would have a chance at two, two parents. Got choked up while talking about his nine-month-old daughter, Gia. In a new interview, the Oscar winner shares a little one with film producer. I'm an 80-year-old dad, and it's great. Everything that I'm consumed with or worried about just goes away when I look at her. It's wondrous, the Goodfellas star added. She has a very sweet kind of way of looking at you, just taking you in. Yeah, well, you know, you know, he'll he'll be lucky if uh, if he's around to see her get into kindergarten. Ridiculous. So, yeah, glad you're getting to know her. So, I think that's ridiculous. I really do think it is. Uh, what else is there? I think that's all. Let's get this one kicked off, shall we? I want to start taking your calls. I want to do a little bit of media bashing. I want to do a little bit of Texas and your calls all throughout. Write it down. 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. Be right back. Hey, guys, it's me, Moonlit Matt. Are your pants off yet? Because they should be. Because you're entering, quite frankly. Or is he entering you? Enjoy the show. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope that you have found your regular seats or your new seats. Wherever the hell you're sitting, I hope it's comfortable. And please, no sexual assault tonight. Okay? It's Thursday. You can only sexually assault people in the audience on Wednesdays. All right. So, here's the first thing I want to lead off with. Just because I want to set the tone and I don't want to have to abandon everything that I wanted to do tonight. And that is a story about ghost towns, ghost towns. Now I wanted to talk about, um, well, we'll do that in a second, but here it is that the headline from the daily mail, more than half of us's 25,000 cities are predicted to become ghost towns by 2100. Okay. In less than 80 years, more than half of the 25,000 cities in this country are predicted to become ghost towns. Will your area be affected? Now, I would have to say that this is going to be uh, more and more of a pushing people into large city centers and population centers as they start getting into more, uh, if they are able to achieve their agenda 2030, 15-minute city vision for the world, that, that's going to have to be a part of it. 
also there is always the coming and going of different industries we know that the the one of the main reasons why towns are just vacated and die over time is through economic reasons especially if an entire town is supported or at one time was supported by a a factory or anything um, any kind of business that employed a sizable portion of the town and kept it all afloat um so they're saying here researchers use data from 2000 to 2020 to predict what 2100 would look like in a severe scenario as many as 64 percent of u.s cities will lose population city services will be impacted in unpredictable ways as local tax bases shrink and uh, 93 percent of, con- of uh, countries face the threat of underpopulation by 2100 you got to be kidding me underpopulation by 2100 again does anybody out there i don't a lot of these people probably don't watch the show unless it's for opposition research but anybody out there who walks around with that whole this earth is overpopulated chip on your shoulder can do you ever try to reconcile these things when you see them is there ever any cognitive dissonance do do you does anything inside you ever say that doesn't make sense. We're completely overpopulated. How could we be trending toward population collapse? Does it ever appear to you? I mean, does anything click? Half of the nearly 25,000 cities in the U.S. could become ghost towns by 2100, a study suggests. University of Illinois, Chicago uh, found that in a modest scenario, around half of the cities could lose up to a quarter of their resident populations by the end of the century. So here's what I want to know. by um, Just by the standard of people who are out there in the audience, I would love to know if you guys live near a ghost town. If you live in a ghost town, give me a call. Because I think that would be really something else. I was going to talk to our guest tonight about Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is a very interesting ghost town because it's one of those places in the United States that was taken out because of a, well, it's not a natural disaster. Uh, This is a town in Pennsylvania. Many of you have probably heard of it because it's a pretty famous story uh, that that exists on top of a, a gigantic coal deposit. You know, Pennsylvania is known for its coal mining, anthracite and all that stuff. I mean, it's 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 a it's a big time thing there. Well, Centralia, Pennsylvania, back in 1960, 1962 or something, uh, one of the the stories that I read about it is that the local government, they were, you know, burning and incinerating trash. And they put it into a local landfill or something like that. And as they're incinerating trash, they have dug down deep that the trash was actually able to set fire and ignite the coal deposits underneath. And that over the course of... You know, this wasn't apparent to people at first. Um, This is something that I've seen left out of a lot of stories with Centralia, Pennsylvania. If anybody lives near there, has any kind of any kind of, um, you know, uh, relation or connection to the town or did, you know, an anecdote, anything, please call in about this, because. One thing that I've seen left out about this is that they didn't really even know that was what was going on underneath the town until about maybe 10 to 17 years later where uh, local gas stations were were you know refueling and they would check the temperature of the fuel the fuel um, tanks underground and stuff and they realized 
that the the gasoline was maybe about a hundred degrees away from combustion temperature, and that there was a fire, a coal fire that was raging about three hundred feet below the surface of the town, and it would just it's smoking everybody out. There's smoke coming up from in between, uh, you know, in between gravestones at the cemetery. There's sinkholes opening up all over the place. It was hard to breathe anything. That It's nuts because it had its, up to this point, the coal fires at Centralia, Pennsylvania have been burning for about 60 years. And some people, based on the size of the town and how much coal they say is actually underneath the surface over there that it could still be burning for another 250 years unless they find some way to finally put it out because there's been plenty of attempts to try to 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 um you know extinguish that fire it's a crazy thing but it has totally decimated the town and uh, most of it most of the people there have been ordered to evacuate now what i have read is that there are only five residents who still live in Centralia, who refuse to leave, and that the government kind of backed off of. But once they either move away or they die or something like that, um, through eminent domain, that is not going to be able to be moved into by anybody else or the property sold. It's being seized because of the the ecological situation that's still going on there. Now, you think about that, and that's just coal. Then you think about East Palestine, uh, Ohio, which was a far more deadlier chemical fire in all of the weird aerosolized assault that we had on us going on over here in the uh, in the, the the north northeast of the United States in 2023 between Palestine and um, and those Canadian fires that turned all of the turned the skies pink for a couple of weeks. That was odd. It really was. But anyway, that's an example of a town that is now a very famous ghost town because of a disaster. That is pretty man-made. It is man-made. So I want to know about ghost towns, especially if you have any weird ghost town stories on a on a road trip or something like that. We're going to be doing road trip stories soon, but this is kind of like an offshoot. So I'll accept those as well. All right. So um, that's what I want to have to say on that. Now let's get into Texas. And then we'll do some media bashing in the second half. Here's what we see. Here's what we see as of a couple of hours ago. This map right here shows the 25 states that have joined in support of what Texas is doing in defiance of the the federal government's, or as, as Chris Ann Hall says, it's very good to keep the context here, it's not necessarily a, I mean, obviously this is something that is desired by a number of factions on the federal level and their affiliated NGOs. This is definitely a desirable situation with the open borders and stuff like that. But, um, and of course, it, that, that, that really ties in with, the, with the, the Biden administration as far as how they present themselves to the world and all that. It's very interesting to see how the DOJ activates itself and what it goes after and what it tries to, to get people to, to, to not do. But this is 25 Republican governors that just signed a joint letter in support of the Texas resistance. And I want to read the letter. Here's the joint letter with 25 governors. 
We stand by with our fellow governor, Greg Abbott, and the state of Texas in utilizing every tool and strategy, including, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. We do in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books. And as Chris Ann would say, if she was here, it's Congress that's refusing. But then again, Congress can go and pass a law right now with their slim Republican majority and the Democrat Party, which is, you know, affixed to that creature we know as Joe Biden. And of course, all of their bureaucratic and NGO affiliations, they would veto the entire thing and they would call one thing or another racist and blah, 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 retrograde, white nationalism, blah, 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 blah. We do it in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who entered our country illegally. The authors of the U.S. Constitution made clear that in times like this, states have a right of self-defense under Article 4, Section 4, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional impact duties to the states Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and our nation. If you've been watching this show for any extended period of time, then that is something that you have heard for a long time before it shows it showed up in uh, in this joint letter, thanks to guests that we have on, like Chris Ann Hall. And then, of course, the signatories include the 25, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, or the or, although Brian Kemp is a uh, he, he's a he's a there's a lot of bitches and bastards in here who can't be trusted. And the other thing here too is don't necessarily trust the the governor of Texas. Okay, I trust just based on what we have seen in all of those those hearings in Texas over the last twelve months. I I trust Ken Paxton a lot more than uh, the affiliations of uh, Greg Abbott. But this is what's going on right now. And this has caused civil war, civil war to to trend all over Twitter. And um, and you're going to get a variety of takes on this. There's a little bit, some are a little bit more rah-rah than others, but there's a lot of ignorance out there. And there, there really is. Here's a couple of takes, though, I want to put out. Uh, one from John Doyle friend of the show since he was a wee lad john doyle says is it happening civil war part two while the theater kids call for blood the swamp elders understand that they cannot afford to be seen sending federal troops to literally force the border open during an election where their guy is hated their guy is hated and polling many points behind trump even if it means displaying what they believe will be a temporary weakness, which red states will certainly take note of and likewise adjust their conduct and boldness moving forward. The immigration is polling as the top issue for Americans. When Americans express anxiety about immigration, that means stop them. That does not mean, as Vice President Kamala, the retard Harris, recently articulated, that we simply need amnesty for tens of millions of people and more at the border to handle processing of tens of millions of additional people, there is no scenario where they win on this issue until they win forever because of their investment in it, okay? And that's a, that's a really good point, when they win forever, because amnesty, pathway to citizenship, is pathway to voting. And there is nothing about these people that have earned them a spot for something like that, especially when voting is tied into 
many, many trillions of dollars worth worth of uh, budgetary theft. That's exactly what it is. All right. They're bringing foreigners in not only to dilute the whatever's left of the culture, but they're bringing foreigners in as permanent dependent class so that the day that they can be legally able to vote. The theft would never be stopped, even though it's not It doesn't seem like it's, there's any stopping it right now. There's no scenario where they win, he says. Um, hold on. Uh, let's see. Where they win until they win forever because of the investment in it, which will cost them political capital through the years, but will ultimately play off, pay off permanently unless Republicans have the balls to do what their people have begged them to do for decades. This seems to be positive development in that direction. And the begging is deportation. Deportation and absolute 100% denial of voting rights. If there's any way, if it's a somebody's going to stay, they've been here for a long time, whatever the hell you want to give them a, uh, you know, a, a way to, to, to work and have to hold American businesses to only, to, to only hiring American citizens, people who are here legally or have been given special, uh, grants to work. That would be something right there too. At least there'd be that. My guess is that they're banking, uh, they're banking on keeping Trump out of office and reconsolidating their power over red states afterwards, and that they're willing to pretty much ignore the issue, except for some lawfare rhetoric and bureaucratic nagging toward these states. Republicans need to pressure their leadership into lean into this issue and keep pushing. We aren't taking the country back without solving immigration, and if we're off the blocks now, then they're the, the only choice is to go forward. So that's one stand. There's some stuff there I... Uh, I can get behind. I think it's pretty astute, but I'll let you know. I'll let you know exactly what I said, because I don't very uh, often write anything like this on Twitter. I usually save all my thoughts for the air. But what I will do is I will read you what I wrote. I said the following: Texas, because when you think about when you think about the Civil War scenario, because like, this is a civil war. Why? Because nincompoops are talking about federal supremacy, that there are states out there that are defying the federal government. That's an insurrection. That's a confederacy that's forming. It's a rebellion. It's not a rebellion if you know what the hell the American government was designed to do, that the federal government is subservient to the states that created it. Okay? Now, if you are, if you have been bitten by the Stockholm Syndrome bug, and you have just completely absorbed that bad education into your being and cannot look at it any other way, that's fine. That's then maybe you gotta sit this this uh sit this conversation out a little bit until you know the hurting stops. But this is the whole thing here. What would it look like? What would this civil war look like? And how will you know when we are really getting up on a scenario that is Truly, we're knocking on the door of something serious happening, something meaningful happening, because really, when you look at this, this, um, where is the, uh, the map again, when you look at this map of 25 country, uh, 25, uh, yeah, states, the one thing that should be pretty out in the open for you, where is it? Here you go. The one thing that should really smack you in the face is this. Look at Texas, which is a border state. Now look to the left of Texas at the three other border states. Are they red? Have they signed the uh, the coalition? Are they part of the coalition of, of, of governors that 
that have supported uh, Texas in, in doing what the federal government is is going out of its way to avoid doing. So even though it's like, yeah, go ahead, Texas, they're not all walking through Texas. You know, Texas is one fourth is one fourth of our border states, and it is the only of four states that is having just now in the top of the ninth inning, a semi sane game plan put together about what needs to be done with these major entry points after millions and millions have already come in over the last couple of years. Okay, like I said, this is the top of the ninth inning right now, and only one of four border states has had a semi-sane thought as far as how to mitigate the disaster. So always remember that going forward. Because right now everybody's like, yes, Texas sovereignty, sovereignty. If Texas is actually positioning itself to secede, that's something else. And I completely um, support them in their in their uh, in their quest. I support every state that wants to secede in their quest. If that's what the people in your state want, I completely support all of you. And in that respect, then it really only matters to Texas to be able to make sure that they are taking care of their business and eventually they're going to have to clean out the interior. Okay, it's not just about, you know, closing the door. It's about cleaning out the inside as well. But here's what I said to this. Just some thoughts on the issue. I said Texas and the three other border states, mind you, have a legal and moral responsibility to repel, not process, the invasion of the human, uh, the, the invasion that's going on right now if the human traffickers in D.C. will not do that, all right? That is their responsibility. And whereas there are plenty of ways that this standoff right now can lead to an escalation of force, I would not expect this to amount to anything bigger until the states begin rejecting money to and from D.C. The states don't have the political financial autonomy to be meaningfully sovereign otherwise. If you watch this show enough, I don't know how many times I've said that, but please tell me where I'm wrong on that. Now, it doesn't mean that what Texas isn't, uh, what it, it doesn't mean that what Texas is doing right now isn't a objectively positive thing, but as far as long-term Talking about sovereignty, it's impossible to be sovereign when you are dependent on Washington, D.C., and you will not redraw the lines that are appropriate as far as your relationship to Washington, D.C. All right, that, that's a that's a big, big problem going forward. If we're just going to talk about this in a hypothetical standpoint, if there's something to be restored, going back to what I was saying now, when that happens... When the, when the money has been rejected going to and coming from D.C., then we would all get a 21st century real-time lesson about what the Civil War was really all about, complete with the predictable splits in public opinions and sentiment on the war. And I believe that it would be so split, the sentiment on this new war, that most people would fail to learn any valuable lessons at all. Because whereas Abraham Lincoln invaded the South to prevent Southern states from peacefully seceding, regardless if slavery was a stated purpose or not, we, 150 years later, we would find ourselves in a position to witness similar action against the states who would be merely taking measures to restore proper political distance from Washington, D.C. Okay, in other words, 
It wouldn't even take a formal secession movement to trigger a militant response from the feds at this point. And that is how toxic and out of bounds in virtually every and all matters that Washington, D.C. is. Okay? So you think about what the response in the 19th century was to a state, South Carolina, that voted to secede, which was deemed unsatisfactory by the feds. And then it was after that, uh, that marshalling of a grand army and an invasion that most of the other southern states were like, okay, well, this is, this is something completely, this is something altogether different, okay? Now, now it's just about, the. that's why you lost Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was a union man. He was Lincoln's first choice to leading the army. He wanted to keep the union together. But when you see the invasion start into the south, that is not is that is that a union you want to be a part of? It's not a union. So what I'm saying is what what triggered that in 1860, a peaceful secession vote, that would be triggered today just by states like Texas saying we want to restore proper political distance from Washington, D.C. No longer give money to things that are illegal and unconstitutional. We're no longer going to be listening to your activist judges, whether they whether they call themselves conservative or liberal, like Chris Ann Hall said. They got to be constitutional judges. That in itself would trigger an inc- the the attacks would be replete with 21st century psychological warfare, false flags, sabotage, provocateuring of all t- all kinds. I said Ken Burns would be commissioned by the CIA to produce the Civil War Part 2 for PBS by this Christmas. That's the kind of stuff that would be going on. And that is when we would know that we were getting somewhere truly meaningful. Razor wire up in Texas telling the, telling the feds to go pound sand. It is very, very nice. But if we're talking about, if we're talking about let's go and get them, let's go and do this thing then, uh, yeah, then we have to talk. It's not even about national divorce. It's about national restoration. But see, we're, we're so, we are so held down under the heavy hand of a tyrannical central government that was never supposed to be like this, that to restore what is properly American as far as our civic culture goes would be like breaking up the union. It would seriously feel that way because that is how restrictive this 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 form of slavery is okay that that's what it would feel like and of course their their big trillion dollar two trillion dollar a year boondoggle would be over okay they're gonna have to start they're gonna have to go out there and buy a couple more poppy fields and churn out some more drugs and you know because they wouldn't just be able to take from us anymore i mean there'd be so much it's huge anyway that's what I wanted to put on out there. Uh, I want to take your calls on that. There's a little bit of Alex Jones over here talking about a deep state assassin. Assassination plan for Biden. Did you see this? Hold on. Let me put the the the, the number up on the screen. 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. Take a listen to this. You can add this to the top of the heap. My mother never gets involved in the politics. He's talking about his mother. Go ahead. She's a Christian and a historian and 
really smart person, and she's just very private. But my mother, for three years, has told me they're going to assassinate Biden at, to bring in martial law because the spirit has told her. And she's been very, very direct about it. And, and my mother is dialed in and does have the touch. But you can politically see all this and know that's in the cards, especially now because Biden's refusing to step down. And there's a lot of kooky psychics on TV and gypsy wagons on the side of the road. My, my mother and, and her grandmother were not like that. But I'll just tell you something, never been told before on air. My mother's grandmother in Dallas, Texas, was an extremely famous psychic secretly with the establishment. Okay. All right. Well, it was, getting back to the, the Biden thing, um, there was, like I said, there's a, a lot of ways that this thing can can pop off. A lot of ways. And there's going to be a lot of sabotage, or there would be, especially if things actually started becoming a little bit more, a little bit more, I don't know, closer to really upsetting the apple cart. So I'm interested to seeing what this Texas thing turns into. Of course, if Texas is not successful in galvanizing support from the other three southern border states in doing something meaningful to repel, repel, not process the invasion, then we can talk. Let's take a let's take some calls. Eight four three, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Michael Edge. Frank, how you doing? What's going on, Michael? How are you? Hey, I'm I'm from South Carolina, and I was just thinking about what you were talking about, um, the secession. Go ahead. So that. Go ahead. And uh, well, um, I think it would be a terrible idea. I mean, who's who? Who and how could you fight, you know, the U.S. military? And uh, it didn't work in the Civil War. I don't think it would work today either. I just think it would be something that the elites, the cabal, the deep state, so to speak, uh, would take advantage of and usher in the new world order that all the presidents have mentioned in speeches. Uh, Poppy Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush mentioned New World Order, and all of them have mentioned it except for Donald Trump. Of course, I don't trust him. I don't really trust anyone, but uh, I just think it would be a terrible thing, and I think it would give them really what they want. They seem to be intentionally, uh, began with Obama, um, trying to undermine our rights, our Constitution, and it's just continued on. So I think it would play into their hands Look at how Biden is destroying the, 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 the nation. And I just think that it would uh, give them that order out of chaos that they, they've long wanted. Well, Michael. Is my opinion on it. They, and listen, it's, it's a valid opinion. I know there's plenty of, of people in, the, in, the, um, in the, the audience that would not want to see the union, uh, the union break up. But what, what really is there? Um, what are we holding on to? And the in the real the, the question and thank you is there anything else you I don't want you to 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 shortchange yourself is that you wanted all you wanted to say because I like to riff on that a little bit more. Well, I'm yeah, of course I'm always interested in your opinion. You're a younger man than I am. Uh, I did study history and uh, 
Uh, I've, I've studied this, the topics that you have discussed on your program for, for quite a few years now uh, are things that I have been studying also and doing a lot of praying about it, Frank, and uh, I enjoy your program. Um, independent thinkers are rare these days. And uh, so I just, it was great having a chance to talk to you. I don't want to tie you up, you know. But, no, uh, no, it's no, wonderful no. talking to you about it. And I do value your opinion on this and enjoy your program. I enjoyed last night's program, definitely, and subscribe to that young man's channel. So I don't want to hold you up, but it's, it was wonderful talking to you. Well, thank you, Michael. And it was wonderful talking to you as well. And I'll tell you something. And thanks for the call. I hope you call in again. I'm glad that that's the first one that came through, somebody from South Carolina, and the first time I spoke with him. Um, as I said before, the political will is really the only thing you need. Um, what I had said about 1860 is that what sparked a war that killed nearly a million people, both military and civilian combined, and completely changed the nature of American governance from a republic, uh, a republic, constitutional republic, to a, a national government, where the states are, by and large, just voting districts. You know, do they? Well, how much sovereignty do the states have? Um, I mean, they, they, you, can, you can say that in that Gilded Age, in the, the, the 1880s or so, there was still uh, plenty of veto power, and there's still plenty of that going on there. But um, where we are right now, I, like I said, I, I would sit completely, if a state and its people were saying, I, we got to go, we need to go, what is being done to us is insidious, and there is nobody willing to negotiate with us. We have nothing else to negotiate with. When you have nothing, nowhere else to go, you can either walk away from the negotiating table or you can fight. And if you don't necessarily want to spill blood and you don't see that there are any prospects for you to, to really be able to get an inroads to a fair deal with anybody that is sane, that is not trying to manipulate you or take advantage of you, then you walk away from the negotiating table until perhaps cooler heads prevail and you can come to terms on something reasonable down the line. So that's why I say I'm, I'm always very uh, open to that, and so did our founding oh, so did our founding fathers. You should have seen some of, uh, you could read it right now, you can read some of Thomas Jefferson's responses to um, the, the call for secession. You know, uh, most most northern states said that they were going to secede after Thomas Jefferson signed uh, signed the treaty that got us the uh, the Louisiana Purchase. When he when he finalized the Louisiana Purchase, that pretty much doubled the size of the South. Northern states were like, "We're out of here." The representation of the South is going to like you know dwarf us, and he was just like, "Go go in go you know go in peace." I'm not stopping you. That, that that was the mentality of the founding generation, you know. Um, so, but what I'm saying here is, in the 21st century, in com in comparison to that first generation American and then that third or fourth generation American, uh, you you have something that's totally different. Where most people right now are just asking for a a renewal of the proper relationship that we have, and that would be seen as treasonous. That would be, you know, just just asserting Tenth Amendment rights and saying you don't have authority over this. This is a state issue. Leave us alone. We could do what we want. And to actually say no, thank you, SCOTUS. 
oh, we appreciate your opinion, but we we're going to wipe your ass with your wipe our ass with your opinion. That is being called treason by people who openly, openly uh, challenge the validity of the Constitution itself. I always say this: what what the hell do leftists? What what nation are they talking about when they say treat to to which nation are we are we betraying? I, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. They never ever come out and talk about that because they hate the Constitution, um, and that's it. So that's what I'm talking about. What are we holding on to? What are we holding on to? The Olympics, the flag. You can't even watch the Olympics right now and have everybody there being a proud American. You can't watch the, the Super Bowl and have everybody there standing for the, the, the you know, they're, they're going to play the Black National Anthem for the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. It's like, what are we holding on to? All right, let's take another call. 254, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, man, it's Joel from Arkansas. I used to be in Texas. What's going on, Joel? A few times over the years. Well, as a retired military fella, I think there's a lot of a lot to unravel on this. One is those that are drawing pensions, disabled, stuff like that. High good chance that that's going away if this kicks off. <laughs> also, yeah. with that, Social Security benefactors in those states that do succeed, that's going to be a huge issue. Yep. Because that's the first thing the government's going to shut off, right? Finance. So I think that, you know, I hate that we're going this way. And I've been telling all my friends, all my relatives, there's only three things that stop the Civil War at this point. One of Any one of these three can stop it. Realization that COVID was a hoax. Realization that 2020 election was a hoax. And realization that the world is run by elite pedos. One of those three things could bring us all together and stop this crap real fast and in a hurry. <laughs> Well, hopefully it's all three. I appreciate the well, call, it Joel. Like, it looks that way. I mean, hell, a lot of it's been trickling out just this month. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, that's why I said before, and I'll, and I'll read this. Is that all you wanted to say, Joel? I really appreciate the call. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Like I said, I mean, people have to be understanding that I'm all about this, but also understanding that if you are drawing any kind of federal funds, that's going away. So how how strong is your true result? I know where I stand. Well, yeah, I, I know. And, and let me read this this part again. Here, here we are again. Um, whereas there are plenty of ways, this is my writing today, whereas there are plenty of ways that this standoff can lead to escalation of force, which you never hope so, but you know what any kind of media event, let's just say, in at the border, in Washington, D.C., anything where the news cameras show up, the news helicopters show up, and they're able to paint the picture for America like they have done many times before. Whereas there are plenty of ways that this standoff can lead to escalation of force, don't expect this to amount to anything bigger until states begin rejecting money to and from D.C. That means block grants for the highways, for you know Social Security, for all that stuff. The states don't have the political financial autonomy to be meaningfully sovereign otherwise. That means... That until you have found a way in state to take care of retirees in a much more stable way than the bankrupted Social Security system is. It's not even like it's a gold standard. Our health care is absolute horseshit. Okay? And it and it and it was a it was really, really good 15 years ago. 15, 20 years ago. It was actually pretty damn good. Okay? 
People say, oh, well, we're suck, we're falling. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how we keep meddling and centralizing and meddling and central planning and meddling and meddling. It gets worse and worse and worse. I got people in my life right now who really would like to see a doctor quick about one thing or another who are being given appointments a month, two months down the road, okay? Now, if they had just, if they had just you know, uh, slithered their way across the southern border, they would have a, a, a entourage of doctors treating them at the Roosevelt Hotel right now. But what I was saying, what I'm saying here is the states, until they look at what the people in the state consume, what they need, their overall health, this is why health, we're talking about actually taking control of your health. Everybody needs to be able to do this. That's, that's less to ask for help from any from the government, from whatever the hell it is, though insurance is still important, access to doctors are still important. Everything has to be rethought. This is a, a antiquated, rusted over machine. That can't go on. It can't. And until the states are able to sit down and say, this is what we would need to generate in-state to be able to take care of our citizens, our American citizens who call Texas, Arkansas, New York home. And when you are able to finally say, we've got education covered, we've got health care covered, we've got some really innovative ideas that can make all these things work with just what we're generating in-state without breaking the bank and it's sustainable, then you can tell D.C. to fuck off. And then you suddenly are politically autonomous. You suddenly can make decisions. You can make decisions based on what is more beneficial to you and not what you need to be able to comply with in order to get those daddy bucks coming in from D.C., which are just stolen from somewhere else. I'll keep pointing, pointing back to it. Those, the, 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 the six weeks or so after the 2020 election, there was we were leading up to that late December, early January Georgia runoff election. You remember that? Bill de Blasio was asked one thing or another about COVID relief or whatever the hell. There, there was a budgetary issue in New York City that he told the press, we can't make any more budget comments until we know what the result of the Georgia election is. Because, of course, based on the configuration of Congress, New York City will know how well their palms are going to get greased. You, you think, what, what is that? What is that? Is that autonomy? If you're a Democrat, perhaps it is, because you're, I mean, it, it makes, so yeah, I understand. If you're going to go through with this, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, uh, you know, the, the political will means that people, even the most conservative types, if they are surviving on Social Security, if their their healthcare, they're just skirting by on whatever the hell they're getting from the government. If that all goes away, it doesn't matter how conservative they are; they will vote for whoever is going to whoever is going to bring it back. Okay, that's why I always tell people who work for the federal government, I I appreciate your uh, your opinion on one thing or another, but you're not really a very unbiased, you know, America first kind of a uh, you know a, opinion. It, it can't be. You, you can't go all the way if you are at the same time beholden to the government to be as big as it is to be able to pay you a salary. Now, if you work for the FBI, I would love for people who actually want to go out there and fight crime to go and join state bureaus of investigation. 
you know, a, a, a you know, f- federal anything, EPA, whatever the hell it is, go join your state bureaus of environmental whatever, you know, join join the the, the state the state park services or whatever the hell it is. That's what we need. It's it's so pervasive and it's been going on for so longer than a century. It would be a shock to people how much is just not appropriate. And uh, and that's why, I mean, it's just nuts. So there you, uh, there, there you go. A couple more calls before we go on a break. 252, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, no. That's gone. 732, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, what's going on? It's uh, Chris in the Berkshires. What's going on, Chris? Go ahead. Um, first and foremost, there's nothing more obvious than the complete waste of taxpayer money that is uh, that is Border Patrol, clearly, if they're the revolving door that they are and that they have them and the doormat that they have them while they hand out plane tickets and, you know, tickets to wherever they want in the world. But um, there's, everybody's so, you know, th- th- I look at the silver lining here. This has been going on for how long, you know, and uh, how long has been Greg Abbott even been governor in Texas for? What the flipping F was he waiting for? He could have done this day one of Joe Biden's administration when Absolutely. Joe Biden said, we're no longer building the wall. Okay, guess what? I'm now protecting my border. Just like Chris Ann Hall says, like everyone, you know, you say everyone knows, you have the right to protect your own border. New Jersey could protect their own border from freaking Delaware if they wanted to. But all they have to do was on day one say, this isn't happening. If you want to go through New Mexico or Arizona, that's that's your decision. But we're shutting down this this process right now. And instead, for three years, four years, five years, however long Greg Abbott, and even prior to that, has been governor, he said, Come on in. No, no, it's okay. Come on in. Don't, don't worry about it. And then we'll send you wherever, or you'll get picked up by wherever, and then you'll go to wherever you really want to. The, the simple fact that people are, are celebrating this is and it, it is a good thing. It's a, you know, people are getting a history lesson, I guess you could say, which is well, at people's expense, unfortunately. But at the same time, this was something that needed to be done a decade ago, or if not further, you know. So a lot, yeah. I just feel bad for people that, that are like, oh, we're winning now. And it's like, no, we're. We've we've let nine million people cross the border, and, and Listen, now now we're going to say no. This is no more. To, just, to your point, to your point. Though, I, I mean, here we are talking about it tonight, and thank you for the call because I have to go on a break now. Uh, we're here. We are talking about it tonight because a I had a I had a guest that uh, that that bailed, and because when we have recent conversations and and old conversations that are at the time not really being done and now are becoming a little bit more mainstream, want to be able to compare notes to, to how we've covered stories, to how the rah-rah groups out there who are Johnny-come-latelys in many, in many respects are, are, are just seeing things in very, very shallow right now ways. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of objectively good things about it. It, it. I mean, it's something. It's something. But you're right. You're right. I mean, even under Donald Trump, uh, Border crossings were way down, but they were never completely gone. That that would be impossible, even under Donald Trump or a George Bush or anybody you consider a, a you know a Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you see that people are coming across your border and the federal government is not providing anything that's adequate enough to stop it. It's your border. Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California National Guard should have already been. Down there, 100% blocking and plugging up every hole. 
And when they couldn't have a man there stationed with a gun, with searchlights, with everything else, and they should have been using modern technology, active denial, drones, everything, to make sure that we are always knowing where there are people that are coming across. Because you don't know who they are. Okay? I'm not very concerned about Al-Qaeda these days. Not very concerned about any of that stuff. But you just don't know who people are. Who cares if it's Al-Qaeda or who cares? What's the the difference between Al-Qaeda and just any... Uh, sexual deviant that ends up that ends up molesting somebody on a uh, on a on a playground, or somebody who comes and, and and kills somebody in a in a DUI situation. That's what it's all about. You know, we got our own problems. The native population is not going to be without crime or deviant behavior or anything like that. Why add more to it? So there's just so much more at stake, and nothing's and nothing's happened. And mostly because yeah, you have complicit. You have uh, a lot of people who are absentee, federal and and state. But then there's also a lot of things that are motivating people to come here. It's being promoted. And they know that there are services and resources that is being allotted to them or allotted for them. So um, it's tough, man. It really is. So it's great to see 25, 25 uh, states coming together to support the one out of four border states that is at least putting up some barbed wire. But what the hell, New Mexico? What the hell, Katie Hobbs? What the hell, uh, Gavin Newsom? I mean, seriously, think about it. Think about it. Now, if you look at that, that, uh, that map, we'll look at this one more time before I go to break. If you look at that map, where the hell is it? Uh, no, that's not it. Ooh, where is it? Shit. I've lost it for some reason. Anyway, who knows? Maybe you can make a border around Texas up over Arizona. Just like almost like quarter off everything. You got to be able to. I mean, that, that you can do that. It's a very screwed up border, but at least you can just keep everybody in. I I don't know. Anyway, we're going to take more of your calls in the second half. I hope you join me. Please come on over, quitefrankly.tv, build.net. The the links are all over the place. Uh, I shared them before I knew that the guest was being canceled, but the links are still the same. Build.net, quitefrankly.tv. It's two clicks. I want to take more of your calls on this, and we could do a little bit more. We will be right back. That's not what I meant to do. Not what I meant to do at all. All right. I can't believe that this what this going on with the computer at the studio. This is going on in the back of my head. I'm thinking about all the things that I got to do. All the people I don't know who to call that I have to call now. I got to find somebody to call. That's that's where I'm at right now. Do I have to call the Geek Squad? Like seriously, what do I do? Anyway, we'll be right back. Again, I screwed up. I'm just, where's my mind? The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode, get signed up, it's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pill.net. 
It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 So, tomorrow we're going to have a wonderful conversation about the American Mall. The American Mall. And tonight, I still would like to take some calls from you guys and gals about ghost towns. So, I know that I've gotten a lot of people riled up about what's going on uh, in the news and the whole constant talk about civil war and what the hell even means. Sure, we're, we've been set up for some kind of an interesting confrontation between federal and state forces as everybody jockeys for what, you know, the argument of what is, what has more, what has supremacy over the other. And I guess the only real thing that people have with the federal government is that, oh, well, it's bigger. It's the bigger government, so it's supreme. I guess that's what it is. Because, um... Everything else doesn't make sense. But I would like to hear about ghost towns, too. If you guys have ever encountered a ghost town or if you live near one, uh, that would be really that would be really great to have you on. So I'm going to I'm going to set up a ghost town hotline. Ghost town hotline. It is 914-369-1236. Call in if you if you are near one, you live in one or your your town is about to die. I want to know about that. Let's take a call. In the meantime, 417, you're on the air. Go ahead. Four, hey, oh, doing, hold on one second, 417. Go right ahead. Hey, we're in Springfield, Missouri. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. 
Hey, I, I want to know what your take was on the eclipse coming on April 8th with the comet compared to the pantomime we're watching as far as the right and left uh, paradigm they're, they're shoving on us. Do you oh, have I, any take on that? Oh, you, well, I, I was looking out for it. I mean, the, the April 8th, the April 8th uh, eclipse, that's going to pass right into no, uh, you know, the upper part of New York. I was actually thinking about whether or not we can get out there to observe this damn thing. But as far as it being on this year, and now w what about the comet? I, I have not seen anything about a comet. Well, this comet is coming with it. And, and you know, obviously don't take my word for it. it. It's a comet that I personally see something in the night sky about every night. I don't know how it is from New York with the, the light pollution, but there's definitely something coming. This is the X-Eclipse comet uh, coming with the X-Eclipse that's following all the other X's. And then we got stuff like all these elites building their bunkers now. It's, it's like they know something we don't. Like Dennis Quaid said on, uh, was it Tucker Carlson the other night? I, I, I think there's a lot of merit to that, and I've been studying it for a while. What do you think? Well, I'm looking at it right now, and it said the Devil Comet. Is that what they're calling it? They're calling, they're calling this comet the Devil Comet. Yes, they are. And it, it, what, what worries me is it hasn't even hit any type of mainstream news yet, how big this thing actually is. I mean, people have been talking about this for weeks. I think it's compared to the 1811-1812 New Madrid earthquake with Tecumseh's Comet or Napoleon Comet that I believe cataclysm and mud flooded back then. I think they know something we don't. That that's just my take here from Springfield, Missouri. Well, you know, this is why I asked um, I, I asked uh, Jeff Harmon the other night about right. about what wh what's going what going on. It's one thing to say, well, hey, if we look at these solar cycles or if we look at the the, the you know the the elliptical motion of this the planets around us, and we kind of juxtapose that with history, and we absolutely, see, you know, how do people act? How are people who are out there trying to plan the next war? You know what? What are they doing to to really take take? You know, I, I was watching. I don't know if you, you... know. I think H.G. Wells said a lot about this in, in in the predictive programming that went on before then. I'm 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 almost under the fact that we've only been around since 1811, 1812 when the New Madrid earthquake happened. It seems to me that's when the orphan trains popped up. That's when all the asylums and all the architecture we can't build anymore. It almost looks like that reset is almost in, in, in shift with this one, so to speak. Well, it's something, it's interesting to, uh, to consider and, and thank you for, and who's this again? My name's Lane out of Springfield, Missouri here with, my, here with my buddy and cousin Zach. And, uh, we love you guys. Uh, I'm a J sixer. Hey Frank. What's going on there? Um, the, when he says, he, when he says he's a J sixer, what does that mean? Uh, well, he was there on January the 6th. At the Capitol? Yes. Yeah, like, I'll let you yeah, here, here you go. Are, wait, wait, wait. wait. Are, are you sure? Is he sure he wants to say? Is he not going to say anything that gets himself in trouble, is he? Oh, no. I'm oh, fine. No. I'm fine, man. Why? You, 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 we love your show, man. I love your show. I watch it all the time. I I, I can't believe it's the first time I ever called in. And yeah. it's the first time I ever got yeah, through. You were there on the 6th. I mean, we, we, we had a... We had a who the professor was out here? Yeah, oh yeah. So I have a uh, out of my place. We did a uh, January six um, retreat. I've got a sixty acre uh, farm out here, and we have a big barn that we do events in. And we had a we had for the last two years we did a January six retreat where we had 
January Sixers, and we had, um, you know, Professor Clement and David Summerall's been out here, um, and just, I mean, just lots of, lots of need to get here out here. January Sixer type people. That you, you're so. talking about people who were just. Who were at the the uh, the speeches and stuff that day, or people who have been prosecuted, or people who are I mean, I, I hope you're not you're telling not telling everybody, hey, if you're on the run, come out here. That would just be silly. Oh no, it's a it's just an event to sort of raise awareness and you know just fundage for all the exactly, all, mostly all the okay mostly that were in prison, um, right. you know, that are in jail right now. So a lot of their families. Um, mothers, girlfriends, wives, etc., were out at the event. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually. I hosted the event. I. I did. I got you. I got. I got. I. I got what you're saying. I. I understand what you're saying. That. Uh, I guess you know any kind of social event that people can put together these days and feel connected to something and comfortable. That's. Uh, that's good. And maybe I'll be able to stop by sometime. But I'm. I hope you call in again soon. As you can see, it's not that hard, and you might just get through. Yeah, yeah, man, that's really cool. That's really cool, man. We we love you to death, man. Yeah, just keep doing. Well, I love you. Love you too out there in Missouri. You guys are fantastic. I, I'm looking at this devil comet though, which is which is incredible because right now, of course, we're we're reading Lucifer's Hammer, which is about a comet that strikes the Earth head on, and that is what our January book club is all about. It's not often a bright comet is near the sun during a total solar eclipse on April 8th, 2024. Catch Comet 12P Ponds Brooks visit to the system. That's what they're calling it. Ponds Brooks visit to the solar system. On April 8th, 2024, all eyes will be on the eclipsed sun during totality. After all, it's the main attraction, but as the sun is blotted out, Darkness will fall during the day, rendering more than just the solar corona visible in the sky. Stars and planets will appear, lighting up amid the false twilight that occurs during the total eclipse. Several of the brightest stars and planets will come into view, and one special visitor, Comet P. Pons Brooks. That's right. Bring your binoculars along during the uh, solar total eclipse, and that's going to be up near us. I know that's where the path follows, of course. The discovery. Now, what are they called? I want to see where the the devil comes into this. Uh, be located near Jupiter, some twenty five point four degrees from the eclipsed sun. This means the comet will be potentially visible at mid eclipse to those searching with binoculars or a telescope or capturing the scene with a camera. Well, that seems pretty significant. You know, I was just watching this today. Um, I had mentioned to our, to one of our producers, Krista, who's been doing the booking for the show, that we should definitely get Diana Pasulka back on. You remember when she came on to talk about, she came on to talk about religious studies and UFOs in religious writings, ancient religious writings and things like that. Um, That was a great, great show. I said it last year, I think it was in either July or August, 2023. It was low-key, definitely one of the best shows of 2023. It was so informative. It had a great flow. Uh, it, it was a very high-quality guest. Well, she was just appearing, she just appeared on somebody else's show talking about Jack Parsons and Rocket Propulsion Labs 
you know the 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 starting of the rocket program over here in in uh in the United States as we all know is very very enmeshed and steeped in the occult and she had uncovered some information or at least she was at least discussing what she had read recently or had known for some time about how Jack Parsons and his colleagues had been very very uh keenly following what was going on astrologically to be able to plan their launches in ritualistic fashion around what is going on with uh you know the alignment of the stars coming and going comets things like that so again it's just one of those it's just one of those things where sometimes it's just coincidence you might think and then other times it's just of course there's an eclipse and a comet the devil comet at the same time in 2024 as the shit is ramping up no of course no doubt about it no it makes makes perfect coincidental sense 870 you're on the air go ahead hey frank um i just wanted to say as far as what's going on in texas my understanding is that that whole thing is about two and a half miles of border Mm -hmm. rather than the whole state and um, i wonder if it's something you know that they're trying to draw attention to like with streisand effect or something so i'm guessing that it's not just about protecting the border right there that there's something significant going on there at at that specific two mile stretch Uh, that's my guess right so why 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 is, there, why is the federal government making such a big deal over this two and a half miles down in Texas? Why that specific point? And I, I think there, there's got to be something more than, oh, just, you know, razor wire. I, I think we're supposed to be looking at it. So. Okay. Well, you know, it could be. And then. It could be something like, <laughs> it, at the very least, it could just be that it is, because isn't it Eagle Pass, what they're talking about? Is that the place? Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, yeah. It so. could it could just be that it is is some of the highest the highest uh, you know tendency for people to pass. It could just be such high traffic that it it has become significant in itself. But you know you, you could be right there too. There could be something else as well. Yeah, and just real quick, um, I know that uh, I've seen the branding of the whole Lone Star, uh, whatever revolution, or whatever they're calling it online right now. But honestly, um, the federal government is the one out of line here, and I think we should call it the Fed Boy Revolution. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Th- I'm telling you, it there. It, it's a lot more appropriate to call it that. Thank you so much, my friend. Love you, Frank. Have a good night. You too. You too. It's just constant setup for conflict. That's what we have. Five three zero. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um. Yes, I, I'm sorry I'm not listening to you. A friend told me to call you and tell you about my Panama story. Um, what? Panama is building a bridge from Panama to Colombia through the Darien Gap Swamp for the illegals so they don't have to uh, uh, be hindered by snakes and gators and all kinds of stuff. And I'm I'm totally surprised that nobody is covering this, and I am trying to get it out in the news. So, are, are you are you comfortable telling us your your first name, a nickname, anything like that? What, so just my so name I, is Jan. 
Okay, so Jan, do you live in Panama? What, how do you know about this? I used to live in Panama. I have a very dear friend that still lives in Panama at this time. And she uh, heard this from a gentleman's name, Matt. I'm sorry, I don't know his last name. That is at the edge of the Darien Gap on the Panama side. And this is a cement bridge. I don't know if it is a walking bridge, I would assume, because it's cement, first of all. But it goes all the way uh, past from Colombia through the Darien. So these people don't have to encounter the snakes. And it's pretty bad. The Darien, And this is, right now, it's dry season. Panama has two seasons, rainy season and dry season. And uh, there's just so much going on that we are not told, but we find out by hook and by crook. Um, and these camps that have been set up all the way from Panama up to the U.S. border with Mexico, uh, where these people stay. I mean, I, when you look at the photographs on television, I wonder if people notice the clean T-shirts, the brand-new tennis shoes, mm -hmm. the cell phones. This is taxpayers' dollars that are, are providing this for the illegals. And please don't misunderstand me. I am not against immigration. I want people to come to this country, work hard like we all do. I don't want them to do it illegally. I think that um, um, another program that I listened to, John B. Wells' Caravan to Midnight, mm -hmm. uh, has, has spoken about this, but nobody in the government wants to talk about it. And I am surprised that no, it seems like nobody knows about it. Oh, they know about it. it. They know about it. But, you know, for you and I, there are, and, and Jan, thank you so much for calling in. I, I'm, I'm looking at this now, all the, the reporting that's been done on the, the high traffic at the Darien Gap. And, and, and the first question I was going to ask you was whether or not, you know, what, tell me about this bridge. And you said it was going to be made out of concrete. I thought it was going to be something a little bit more temporary, like a pontoon bridge or something like that. But they're, well, they're making, it sounds like concrete is pretty permanent. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> this is part of the migration that the world globalists, they want to invade our country, and they're doing a very good job at that. Um, this is this is just not something that is, it's worldwide, sir. It's not just uh, Latin America. It, it's, I mean, look at how many people from 160-plus different countries are coming through our southern border. Uh, it, it, it's, it's part of a plan. This has all been orchestrated since before um, Mr. Biden was elected. It, it's part of the World Economic Forum, all of the globalists. Now, I'm, I'm not uh, prone to uh, conspiracy theories, but when you keep hearing the facts that are very similar in nature from different people then you start to believe it <laughs> well you know and and, and jan you, you spot on and thank you so much for the call let me just say um and, and please stay in touch with the with the show anything that you know you call in or email me quite frankly podcast at gmail.com number one you don't have to you don't have to qualify yourself or disclaim what's going on there i mean i don't think anybody uh very few of us should have any 
any ill will toward legal, well-vetted immigration, which that means uh, there being a limit, a reasonable limit to yearly immigration so that people are able to assimilate, that they are tested, that they are examined in every way, shape, form, that they are literate, that they have job prospects, that think, think, you know, reasonable things that you would do. There's no, uh, you don't have to qualify yourself there. Uh, the, the whole thing is that, you know, this is an invasion they want to invade. I wouldn't even give that to the, the illegal aliens. I wouldn't even bestow that motive onto the illegal aliens. I wouldn't do that. Now, there's some of them in there that are looking at this as an opportunity to come and just be vipers and vultures. They understand that there are some very sleepy, rich countrysides, and there's some very uh, quiet uh, suburbs that can be, you know, that, that can be really turned upside down. They understand that there are opportunities to plunder and pillage, okay? And to do it in a taunting, taunting, confident way because they are so politically protected. These people are so politically protected. Um, and so maybe some of them think that this is part of some reconquista, that they're taking it back from the white man. But I, I just want to remind everybody again, if you might be watching this right now and you feel that way, that this is like your your comeuppance, because whenever, whenever, um, whenever somebody goes and pays attention to the fact that all throughout the United Kingdom, it's nothing but Pakistanis that are holding, you know, MP positions and mayors and prime ministers and all that other stuff. And there's always some asshole out there going, well, you know what? You colonized the world for so long. This is what you get. The little people, again, the little people, the people that colonized the world, the elites that actually were able to garner the the uh, the resources to go and colonize the world, even though they didn't do too bad. They didn't leave the places that they colonized in too bad a shape afterwards. But that's besides the point, because, again, it's not my interests. It wasn't ours ever. But the same people who had the power to go out and colonize are now, are now encouraging, encouraging hordes of people from those former colonies and from developing nations and regions of the world to invade our own land. Okay? So you think you're part of a, a reconquista. You have been urged and promoted. You have been invited and encouraged to walk through an open door. All right? You you can't you didn't come here you didn't come here with your battle with your 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 battle uh your battle gear on. You didn't have on your armor and your sword. You didn't have all you you know, you didn't invade anything. You didn't conquer anything. The door was open and people said, "Come in. Come in. We've got buses for you. Come in. Come in. We've got EBT cards and we've got planes. Get on the plane. We're bringing you to Westchester." Okay, you reconquista, the people that you think you're conquering invited you in as a weapon, okay? They invited you in to use you as a tool. It's so pathetic when people actually beat their chest over what's going on right now as if there is something that is going to be there for you in the end. Whenever they're able to alter the West to, the, to their liking, uh, they're, they're going to reduce the mouths, the amount of mouths that they're going to have to feed. 
All right, you're serving a very temporary purpose. You walked over the southern border in fucking flip-flops. You're not a fucking conqueror, all right? You have nothing on Cortez, my friends. You've got nothing on them. If that's actually the way you feel about this, you're so fucking stupid. The people that I see say they saying that stuff are just so stupid. Anyway, all right, let's take another call. 713, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, this is Swish from Houston, Texas. How you doing? Hey, what's going on? Good to hear from you. Hey, man, I got some bullet points as as usual. Go ahead. Uh, apparently that lady that called in and said that her friend told her to call. Yeah. Bet, I guess she don't have the internet. That's how she's not watching the show or something. Well, but, I think uh, she's called uh, it Alex, before. Alex Jones. She's definitely, I think we've gotten a call from Jan before, but... Yeah, that's uh, first of all, it's not the first time someone's called in and I actually been watching the show. It just happened to it just happens to be that she had something relevant to say. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you know, Infowars and you know, Steve Bannon they've been covering that bridge and those camps. So we're the UN's paying for all that stuff. That's a thing. So we're but we're basically paying for all that stuff. Yeah, they're they're building bridges and all that stuff. It's crazy. So she's right about that. By, uh, by, by Michael way, Michael Yon has been covering that pretty much every day on Alex Jones and, and uh, you know uh, Oscar Blue and Ramirez. Same thing on Infowars. You know he does a daily update from down there. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and like uh, Chris Ann Hall said the other night, uh, the way that that is all paid for, it's not necessarily like an act of Congress or anything like that. It is uh, through through Catholic charities and other initiatives like that. Is how yeah. they, they're able to be. Low key, private stream, the, streams of the money. NGOs. Yep. Well, I, my next point it was Chris Ann Hall because remember, you had her not the last time, but the time before she was. Or you had, you had a, she was talking about succession. And she said it was basically impossible. Remember, she said, but she went through all this stuff. She said it's basically going to be impossible to get everybody on board and for anybody to succeed, even though Texas has a clause supposedly that said we can, you know, be independent if we want to. But they got us pimped out on the federal money. Any state, you know, just like we have the foreign countries, but that foreign, you know, the fed, with federal funds here in our case, but foreign aid in you know other countries' case, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why that's why it's impossible uh, in in the current position that we're in right now. We have to find yeah, a way. About, yeah. People have to find uh, where the political will comes from. Uh, it, it has to come through education and also realizing that there's a massive amount of work that needs to be done if you're going to if you're going to somehow make this so that you even have the ability to secede, you have to first become independent from the place that you want to break away from. How are you going to be able to break away from the United States, uh, the, the general government, when you need hundreds of billions of dollars to uh, to provide health care and, and food and other kind of services to the people of your state? You can't do it. It's with, one, you can't do federal, it. Yeah, just like yeah, Indiana and uh, Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana, they're kind of Poor states. I don't, I don't know if they could, I don't even know if Texas could swing it, to be honest with you. We have to pump out a lot of oil or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even for us to do it, because I got everybody pimped out. But uh, I saw in the chat that somebody was saying it's scary that the cartels were in all 50 states. They've been, if you have drugs in your state, I don't care where you are, you've had the cartels involved for the last 25 years. Because I used to work at FedEx in El Paso as a supervisor. <clears throat> and we used to, they used to bring the dogs every once in a while. This was back in the early 90s, right? And to early mid nineties and two thousand, I, I left in two thousand twelve, so you know, I retired. But uh, we they find cocaine not just in individual boxes, but sometimes trailers, and the drivers were in on it. And I'm pretty sure that uh, 
it's still going on right now, you know, it's more high tech and stuff, but uh, it was just crazy insane. I, I, lived, I worked in Tucson and, and I worked in Phoenix and Tucson for a while also. And it was just a nonstop cocaine war that nobody really knew about. That's where, that's where all that stuff came from. Not so much Miami back at that time. It was coming through there. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, just I remember that show Ozark. Uh, that was about the cartel also. Remember? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I get yeah. you. I, and it is it isn't just like you said there it it's not just about oh are you on the the southern border it's uh, it's all over the place it really is yeah it's been it's been it's been so long that uh, I mean people that now people yeah I like that one call I said this is good to kind of wake up wake up but it's pretty cool to see the support so maybe we can get some traction and uh, you know I I'd, I'd love to swing it if we could man because everything's just so out of whack but well let's see and, and to your to your other point thank you for the call my friend to your other point. Here is, let's see, this is usafacts.org. I'm going to have to kick around a little bit more, but it is from 2023. In 2020, the U.S. government provided over $1 trillion to state and local governments. $1 trillion to state and local governments through federal grants after adjusting for inflation. These grants made up a quarter of states' total revenues funding various essential programs like health care, education, social services, infrastructure, and public safety. And remember, once the grant money, the block grants, they get to the state, the states have discretion to use the money however they'd like. Okay? So you can give a billion dollars to a state for, you know, you know, paving parking lots, and they can take $500 million of that and give it to you know, human services for taking care of illegals in a, in a migrant camp somewhere in a, uh, a converted gymnasium, okay? So let's see here. Federal aid to state and local governments has risen since 2020 due to the pandemic's impact on health care and social programs. How do states receive the funding? Of the more than $1.2 trillion in federal government granted the states in 2022, most went toward health care programs. That's it. Medicare and Medicaid and CHIP, $609 billion. Other programs, $222 billion. Transportation, $116.6 billion. And it's just, uh, and now here you see federal grant money varies as a portion of state and local revenues. Here you go. This is what you would have to look at if you were in the business of actually finding a way to make your state autonomous again, politically and culturally autonomous, where you're not... You're not you're not going to accept federal curriculums of nonsense in school because you need the the money for school. Where is it? Window capture. Boom. Here you go. This is the percentage of total state revenue from federal government grants in 2020, and it's gotten a little bit worse since then. New York, 21.1 percent. Louisiana, 33.4 percent of its total spending is coming is subsidized by the government. West Virginia, 30 uh, 34.1. 17.8, California. 20.5%, Texas. 33.9%, Alaska. Montana, 32.1%. Wisconsin, 16.1%. I mean, this is, if you were looking at all of this, you're saying, how the hell am I getting myself away Federal funding for per capita by state, I mean, it, it's all here. It's all here. And this is, all, this is a couple of years outdated, too. 
So that's the gap between freedom and slavery. Well, it's the gap between the door opening to opportunity. Because then you have to walk through that door and you have to have the will to say, no, thank you. And you have to just pretend that the, the Freddy Kruegers in D.C. don't exist. That's exactly what it's all about. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to go on a break. You're listening to Quite Frankly. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. Welcome to your Perpetual Health Minute, brought to you by Quite Frankly. You may have seen this recent documentary released by Netflix on January 1st, You Are What You Eat. And in the documentary, they claim that a vegan diet in twins is superior to an omnivorous diet when it comes to cardiometabolic outcomes. Now, it's based on this study, and there is so much wrong with this study, I'm going to have to do an entire video. But let me give you the highlights. First of all, the study was only eight weeks long, so it can't show long-term effects. Second problem, they only measured a primary outcome that they knew would be manipulated by a vegan diet, specifically avoiding secondary outcomes and not discussing them that had contrary findings. And why would they do this? Well, the lead author is a self-proclaimed vegan, and he's funded by companies like Beyond Meat. So the integrity of the results of a study are really only as good as the integrity of the researchers going in. So unfortunately, this documentary is not a documentary. It's a work of fiction. If you like this video, please follow the new Perpetual Health Rumble channel. You can also find us at perpetualhealth.substack.com, where we're going to do a lot more on this in the future. But for now, thank you so much for watching, and back to the show. Number 38. Yeah, that's me. Excuse me, sweetheart. How you doing? Can I get uh, number two, salt, pepper, ketchup? Yeah, please. Uh, and then can I get a half a pound of boar's head over gold turkey? Uh, Three-quarter pound of Genoa salami? Uh, can I get uh, half a pound of the uh, yellow American cheese? What's that? What? Oh, you know, I have the yellow American. Yeah. White America's fine. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's going to be it. Uh, how much? Yeah, no problem, sweetheart. Thank you very much. Speaking of Beyond Meat or the Impossible Burger, whatever Jay uh, just just mentioned in that, and I saw that twin diet thing. I haven't watched it, but I I should have known. You know what the new? You remember the last time we were talking to one of the last times we were talking to our buddy um, Aristophanes Revenge. The first time Aristophanes came on, he talked about the little ways that we can rebel against. Things like Beyond Meat, the Beyond Burger, the Impossible Meat shit. That if you just take one package, put it in your thing, put it in your 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 bag, uh, you walk around the store, you say, oh, you decide against it, you put it back on the thing. That right there, that little kind of protest would force the store to throw it away. And that little by little, you would see so much, so much waste and expended a uh, uh, waste and uh, and. Um, time spent trying to restock product that is not 
you know, not getting into anybody's into anybody's uh, bags because it's just being thrown away. We start seeing that the the impossible meat statistics were incredible. That nobody was buying them. That they're on sale all over the place. But the people who are trying to push this this fake meat meat bullshit onto everybody, they are so over the top. They need they need to push this into people's uh, refrigerators that they're trying to substitute, give it away for free. They just want people to eat it, hoping that somebody will say, mm, "This is great. I want more." We covered how that was a a business that it was already just tanking. It is losing money. But of course, like everything else in this in this country, in this world, that is a bad idea that the elites or powerful interests that are looking to manage and change human behavior, normal human behavior, normal human diets, they don't care how much money they lose. They're going to continue to put every resource they have behind it as if they have unlimited resources behind, standing behind them. Case in point, Disney. Disney does not care how many billions of dollars it loses. It's going to continue to push that terribly toxic message about feminism and LGBT children and all that other stuff. They don't care how much they lose. It's just they love it. They love this, but but they just they they're it's like compulsory behavior. And they're hoping that it's just going to stick. It's being rejected. Soundly rejected, but they continue on anyway. Same thing with the meat. And we're starting to see that with the electronic vehicles as well. Take a look at this. Uh, DC Drano had sent this out here. It's a micro MSN article from greenbuildingelements.com. Ford is losing $36,000 on every electric Ford F-150 Lightning. They're losing $36,000 on every F-150 Lightning that's been sold. They're firing 70% of EV workers and ramping up gas vehicle production. It's just incredible. <laughs> They're trying to ramp it back up. They're trying to ramp it back up, but there's more. There's more. We should just do this. We should just do this right now. You want to know what else they're trying to ramp back up? They're going crazy with the media. Listen to Taylor Lorenz over here. Listen to this uh, this this whiny windbag, this whiny media windbag. She is just she's complaining that the entire digital media ecosystem is collapsing for lefty millennial losers like herself. All right, take a listen. So so meat, cars, media. Our journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire D.C. bureau in an election year. In election year? We need journalists in an election year. Why do you? My question is, why do you? You guys can only say one of two fucking things. And one of those things has to be an, a, 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 a vague Hitler reference to show that you are, you, you, you've been like, I don't know. You're a historian. I know the name of a really bad person from 90 years ago. Okay. So, I, if, okay. Fucking hate her. No, I don't. I don't even know her. I hate this. They laid off pretty much all of their sports teams. They killed their entire tech and business section. They <laughs> laid off breaking news good. writers, social media editors. Good, the good. They're su they suck. They suck. You know why? They suck. Yeah, but they're an editor. 
editors. We need editors. Oh, I'm sure we do. But there's nothing to edit. And they're stupid. And so are you. The list goes on. But what's really dark is this is just the latest. Are you ready? Because this is where it gets really dark, everybody. It's about to get dark up in here. In months and months and months of layoffs in the media industry. Mm. In fact, tens of thousands of journalists have been laid off in the past year. <laughs> because they suck. Because they're not reporting on anything. They're not. It's like a journalist is not a doctor. And even doctors are, are, are falling out of favor with people because of what the hell's going on over there. You know, when you say when you say, oh, the L.A. Times newsroom is looking really sparse. There's nobody in there. You know, what's missing from this picture? Um, well, you know what's missing? It's a few dozen millennial nitwits who are writing articles compulsively about Ma Hitler or trans seahorse dads. That's what we're, that's what's going on. Nobody cares about, you know, a, a woman who thinks she's a man, cuts her tits off, still gets pregnant, and then they have to gasp and say, oh, this has never happened before. A man is pregnant. This is the first time in the state of California, the first time in Italy that a seahorse dad is, that's what they call these fucking, uh, and they they don't understand. They just don't understand here. It's it's incredible. Taylor Lorenz, Taylor Lorenz, you do not provide anything that people want. Here, I, I have one from the New York Post. Here you go. What she thinks is journalism is one long hormonal screed that only would fit, would only f- would fit in nicely on on a Tumblr blog, and here here's a case in point right now. Headline from the New York Post: Trans man woman who had mastectomy, discovered to be five months pregnant, making a rare seahorse dad. Okay, so this is in Italy. They're like, this is unprecedented here. A woman, a woman getting pregnant is unprecedented in Italy. Now, what's unprecedented maybe is that people who would normally have been put into mental institutions and closely monitored and never allowed to do what the hell they're doing to themselves to, to I mean, this, this would, that's unprecedented that this is some kind of a, a victory for human evolution, at least the way that the media is uh, is putting it out there, but it's just really incredible. You know, that she's not a man. She didn't change her sex. That's why she's pregnant. Period. So I mean, th- that's what I'm talking about. You think that I would ever pay for a weekend delivery of the New York Post ever again? And I had it at a time. I thought it was nice to have to to wake up on a Saturday morning and have a uh, a New York Post paper sitting there right on the on the walkway and I could look at the standings and read some sports news and get a little bit of something else and what whatever. No, no, who the hell needs it? You know? Now I'm more prone to grabbing a link off of Twitter for free to start some conversation on the show, but I mean you need to be on psychedelics to make a story like that one I just read to you make any sense. I could just as easily have a conversation with my 3-year-old if I wanted to simulate an experience of reading through anything that Taylor Lorenz or her friends have to say about literally anything. And, 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 I, and I can speak to Aurora for free. You know, um, she says some very outlandish things. It's getting weirder and weirder. The other day she walked up to Lauren and she kind of caressed her face and she said, don't worry, Mom, I'll take care of Dad and Uncle Anthony. Like, what? That was strange. Um, it's like, why? Where, 
don't worry about what and what do you it's you know it's getting creepy around here it's getting creepy so that's what i have but you want to see how uh the news is made in the in the new world in the real world the new media this is hilarious i gotta do this with you hold on a second Here's a little something for you. Since we're, we're closing out a show, I want to take a couple more calls over here. I see them coming in. So the story about Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley had some extramarital affairs years ago or whatever. It, it, it's, not, it's not new news, but it's, it's beginning to resurface in the last week or so. Now, I don't really pay any mind to stuff like that because there are tons of other reasons why I would not want Nikki Haley uh, attaining high office, things that actually affect me than her her private life. But when you get into politics, you need to be prepared to have your, your past being used against you. And so it was started getting used against her. So our ruthless friend, (laughs) Brendan Dilly, his team went and made a music video featuring an AI Nikki Haley rapping about having sex with one of her staffers in the back of an escalate. It's called, uh, it's called backseat. You might you might have seen a little bit of it. Here, here's like five seconds of it. I want to send this one out to all the Wolfpins worldwide. Beltway to Brussels, Lockheed to Boeing. Some flavor from Tricky Nikki and my sleigh. I'm the type of girl that starts wars and smiles. Still in all, I need the backseat of my sleigh once in a while. Are you in a party, whore? I give you what you look. So so the, so that is that's it. It's called backseat slayed. So that th- now that is in itself. That's getting around a little bit, and everybody's having a good laugh. And while while Dilly was streaming the other day, yesterday, I believe, while he was streaming the other day, um, as he was live, the other man in the Haley affair, he quote tweeted the music video. The guy that she had an affair with quote tweeted the music video and corrected the record that it wasn't an Escalade that they were fooling around in the back of, that it was actually an SRX. Here it is. Here it is right here. SRX, not an Escalade. I mean, it's just, that's news. That's news now. It's real. It's, 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 it's first-person sources, and it all happened in real time. Now that's the news right now, you know. Um, that's just incredible. That went on. Um, there's another one, you know. They're they're bringing John Stewart back. You want to talk to, talk about warmed over fake meat? They're bringing John Stewart and the Daily Show back. Uh, I, I don't know. I you I guess you can say that they they've conscripted him. So I guess he's part of the election fortification efforts in 2024. I have to imagine he's going to be running the same script that has since been passed on to every clown from John Oliver to Samantha B. We talked about that. Maybe we should do it again sometime soon about the the psychological methodology of the way that those shows are set up for this very rhythmic 20-second joke cycle that takes away any kind of critical thinking and just completely instills good guy, bad guy mentality into all the midwits that watch and think that it's it's uh it's it's worthy of their time. So he I can't believe that they're dusting him off. He must have been chomping at the bit. He's doing all these like, you know, third rate, third rate uh interviews. He's interviewing the new director from Star Wars and shit. You can tell that he's probably just like, you know, 
sitting on the edge of the couch looking for a job at this point, and it's 2024, and, and yeah, whatever. So th- there you go. There you go. Fake meat all around. Fake meat. Let's take a call. 252. What's going on? You're on the air. So Frank? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Who's this? John, North Carolina. What's going on, John? Go ahead. Hey, man, I was just wondering, like, uh, since the old, the first Civil War, they had blockades set up. I mean, if Texas were to succeed, the federal government would be way more apt to be able to shut shut everything coming in or out of the state. So, yeah, if, they, if they're, you know, producing oil or anything like that, where where would they send it if the federal government really wanted to shut it down? Oh, dude, then, dude. Oh, I know. And also, I mean, you had the Irish coming through, and then they were getting a fast line to citizenship. I mean, if it was a civil war, they got a steady stream of troops coming in right now. And then if they just said, hey, come through Arizona and California, and as soon as you get here, we'll send you to basic, and you'll be a, by the time you get out of basic, you're a citizen of the United States and go handle business in Texas, you know that they'd, are, they'd get way more coming over. So I don't, know that, I don't know if that'll ever be able to happen. I mean, it had to be something that the states would have to think about. Um, well, uh, to your points and good points, starting with the last one first, I, uh, that's what I've been talking about now for a couple of months, whenever it has come up, um, where I, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm waiting for somebody to float the idea of military conscription or military service to be able to, I think Dick Durbin already did it. I mean, yeah, it, well, I'm, I'm waiting for it to become a little bit more mainstream than just Dickie Durbin, uh, squeaking yeah. it out there because he's a piece of shit. I'm from Illinois originally, man. I just can't believe that fucker gets in office over and over again. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not surprised by anybody, anybody that's been there for more than five terms. I, I just don't, I don't buy any of the legitimacy of the reason. I don't buy any of it. And thank you again, John from North Carolina. So that I hundred percent I'm waiting for because I think it's a lot more, a lot more reasonable that we come upon a day where that UN blue helmet invasion, that stabilizing force that's deployed over here in the United States, that it is a, you know, it is a, it is a blue helmet presence in American fatigues. You know, we're bringing in millions of mostly military aged males for from over 100 countries around the world that have no real allegiances, that have no real interest in understanding the American way of life, what it was, that for a little bit of pay, maybe some English lessons, a rank in the military, some legitimacy, they wouldn't give four four years to the U.S. military, and wouldn't that fighting force, which, you know, you think about the, the average fighting force of the average military in the world, you're talking about something that is measured in tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, that every month a entire new army shows up in military-age males, from, from military-age males that do not care about the citizens here, that would most, most willingly take on unconstitutional missions that would carry out unethical, unconstitutional orders against people that they have no affection for, wouldn't that be a little bit more believable than all of a sudden there's amphibious craft that shows up and the blue helmets get out and they're helping stabilize New York in a state of, you know, you know complete meltdown or whatever? It, it would probably just be 
it would probably be an international fighting force with a with an American flag patch on the left arm. So 100% I see that. It's the most reasonable thing I can think of. Um, the other thing was... What the hell was the other thing he said? Oh. About Texas. Yeah. Well, you, you think about all of the moves and the counter moves to secession. If Texas left, then all of a sudden everything around Texas, of course, is an interna- the new international border. And there's also an an immediate need to start negotiating trade trade deals, international international trade deals with the rest of the world. Texas would have to be out in the world immediately with a brand new diplomatic corps that would go out and uh, represent Texas interests in the world uh, on a on a merchant basis. Immediately, they would have to do that. Okay, and you know that there's probably going to be a little bit of an embargo, a Cuba-style embargo coming from the United States, at least temporarily. So they're probably going to be cut off from the United States financially. They're going to say, you know, that's if they're actually allowed to go without a fight. Because Texas is very resource-rich. There's a lot going on down there. And just remember, in 1860, that was the answer to the question about peaceful secession. It's not allowed. They answered the question back then. Now, they, they weren't going to litigate it. Remember, they used the, the newly uh, passed 14th Amendment to avoid bringing Jefferson Davis to trial so that after a million people were killed, they didn't have to suffer the embarrassment of losing to Jefferson Davis in court. But they did that. They weaseled out of having that day in court, and they just took it as a victory. We settled the secession question in blood. So um, so there's something to think about that. If Texas were to somehow peacefully win their independence, then they would have to work very quickly in cobbling together some international trade deals so that they don't go belly up quickly because they're going to lose a major trading partner in the United States because the, the individual states would not be able to go and negotiate international trade deals with Texas. That would that is part of what the federal government actually does as a collective bargaining organization. It regulates international trade, and and Texas would at that point be a foreign nation. So Texas couldn't tell Oklahoma, hey, you know, we can keep something on up on the side, can't we? No, no, they wouldn't, because then Oklahoma would would get in trouble with the daddies in in D.C. So there's a lot, there's a lot in this fantasy, in this hypothetical fantasy that we're in. But at least we get to analyze something happening on a very shallow, you know, minuscule way. It's very interesting to watch it all happen. But this is the bigger picture stuff that we're talking about tonight. All right. I got a little bit of work to do over here. I have to rename the uh, the show. We did a little bit of Ghost Towns, but we didn't get one call in. Did anybody call in with the Ghost Town number? I only had it up for a couple of minutes. Well, that was a waste. <laughs> Whatever. Tomorrow night, we're talking about memories from the mall. Get on the forum, ladies and gentlemen. Quite frankly, TV, hit forum. It's pinned to the top of the forum. It is free to get in there. All you need is an email address and tell us your memories from the mall. Anything amazing, melancholy, poignant, emotional, I don't care. Give it to us. 
Tell us what the mall meant to you. And what do you know about it now? Do you have a conspiracy theory about the mall? Jay Myers has one of those. We'll get to that tomorrow night. All right. Let me get to your super chats. Car Guys New England says, I can't stand when people speak with a vocal fry. I know. It's a, it's a, it's a disability. Stostube says, in support of great independent media, a super chat donation for, quite frankly, is thrown your way. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Stostube. Jay Britz, wow, Frank, every time I see Aurora and she, know, uh, and she knows her profile, she looks exactly like Minnie Lauren. Yeah, she is becoming more and more like Lauren. It is, uh, it's something to behold. Let's see. Anything? Is this really? There was nobody in the chat room at all? Uh, what happened here? Were we live on Rumble? What the hell happened? Oh, no, I guess we were. Nothing populated in in the comments for me. In the uh, Rumble's been very weird lately. Very weird. All right, one last run through on the gold pills. Here we go, starting from the top. Starting from the top, Sean Joe, Bacon Slut, Jadens says, oh, thank you so much, Jadens, a 12-month bronze tier subscription. Thank you, Paulie, 123 SKG, Karen Hair 7, Boys Blanc 89, Esther G, I'm so happy to see Aurora thriving. Yeah, it was nice to see her bounce back from that. Sleepless in Georgia, thank you. And to all the cookies sent by Boys Blanc, love the Dilly Meme team. Yeah, they're, they're always on top of it. And Castle Drummer, you guys are the best. Have yourself a wonderful evening. I will see you tomorrow from here at Studio B. Now I got to figure some things out for the rest of the evening. I got decisions to make. Hopefully not much more money to spend, but I don't see how I can get out of this without spending a little bit more. Become a sponsor, by the way, if you haven't already. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you so much. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with Car Guys New England, Stostube, Jay Brits, and our wonderful, wonderful gold pillars. I'm releasing that scratching right now, you bastards. And I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. <laughs>